It has been a, a fun night already through two services. It's a rare um, joy we get when we kind of have all everything a part of worship, choir, band, um, soloists. It's just, uh, you know, it, it's a great night. It's a fun night. I hope um, that you have been able to either bring in with you or experience some of the joy of, of Christmas. And uh, it, is, it is an energy-filled night. Uh, Christmas Eve is, is always, at least for me, a, a night of tremendous energy. I can bring myself into the services um, dragging. And what I mean is, you know, just feeling the, the fatigue of, of a month of activities and, and celebrations and church things and family things. But in this place, in these worship services... It just, uh, it's, it's for me, I just feed off of the, the joy of Christmas. And I really feed off of the kids that are running around. It is, it is great to have. And, and, and I say to the parents, I've said at each service, we hear your kids and, and that's a good thing. Don't sweat it. We're, we're glad to be together. And though your kids, my kids, the kids, are the hardest audience to preach for on a Christmas Eve service because I know what they're thinking. And what they're thinking is, hurry up. <laughs> because we want to get home. We want to get closer to Christmas morning and all that fun. And I, and I hear that, and I will take it under advisement. So uh, we, uh, we, we, we celebrate tonight. And, and like I said, it, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. Last night I was sitting across the street at the, in, the, in my office. I shouldn't say my office. John and I share it, so I should say in our office. And um, I was preparing for putting what I hoped was the finishing touches on my message, these words that I share with you tonight. I was sitting at, at my desk, and I had the, the bulletin, the order of worship, and I was just kind of walking through it mentally, just making sure that I was as ready as I could be for tonight. And, and as I'm just kind of mentally rehearsing, I'm reading the things that you've read, the things that we've sang together tonight. I'm reading the, the words that speak of joy and, and the, the words that speak of peace and of hope and of love and all the things that we idealize and we celebrate at Christmas and we celebrate in the story, the narrative that we've read of the birth of God's Son and our Savior. And in anticipation of that and, and in um, excitement for all of that, my cell phone was, was sitting on the desk. And, um, and it rang, and, and I, I immediately the number showed um, Lynn Mercer. Lynn's one of our, our church staff. And at 9 o'clock at night, getting calls from church staff are usually not a good thing. And Lynn was calling to let me know that one of the members of our church, uh, Karen Brewer, for those of you that know Karen, um, passed away very unexpectedly yesterday. And it was the proverbial bucket of cold water. You know, all of a sudden, everything in my mind, in my, in my thoughts, in my preparation shifted. Because in the midst of all this anticipation of, of joy and celebration and laughter and, and hope, again confronted with the reality of, of loss. And I'm 
preparing myself to make the phone calls, to reach out, to connect with the family and friends, to offer my prayers and, and whatever else that I could in those moments. And part of the reason I even share that is, is I ask for your prayers for Karen's family and friends and, and for this, those of us who know her. But this is where the reflection came from me. This is where the struggle came from me. I stand here in front of you talking about all these wonderful attributes of Christmas, all the idealized realities of Christmas. Yet what do we do with that when it meets headlong into the difficulty of life? You know, we say it, it's cliche, but the reality is life and struggle and difficulties and challenges, they don't take a holiday. We don't get a break from that, at least not on a calendar schedule. There are times in our lives that will ebb and flow. But how do these words speak any kind of hope and truth and love and joy into this experience of loss and sadness and heartbreak? In many ways, how does this story get lived out? Where's the rubber meet the road? And so I, I made that phone call and and I share that conversation and, and have been in prayer, but have continued to reflect upon this challenge for us. Because this is something that I know. Statistics, experience, conversation tells me this, that there are some of you here tonight, some of us, that are singing of joy and are listening to words of hope and are experiencing the, the, the ceremonies of, of Christmas and the candlelighting and the, the celebrations. And, um, and you're faking it. You're faking it. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I don't mean that in a critical way. What I mean is, I know some of you don't feel it. I know life's hard, and some of you are bringing that in with you, and you're feeling that struggle, and you're feeling in the midst of a season of celebration the struggle and the, the difficulties and the challenges and, and the realities of life. And so what do we say in the midst of that? What do we say in the midst of our searching when we find ourselves in the dark places that we will from time to time find ourselves in? I've never met anybody immune from it. It may come differently. It may be experienced in a variety of ways. We will not all struggle in the same. But I've not had a conversation with anybody who's lived more than a few years on this earth that doesn't know, at least in some sense, what the darkness feels like. So how does this story speak to that reality? And then, by coincidence, I had in front of me some of the Scripture readings for tonight that were also laid out on my desk. My desk is um, a lot of piles. I mean, that's, that's my, they say a, a, a messy. <laughs> my bedroom, my, uh, they say a cluttered desk is a sign of a sharp mind. My mind is sharp, I'm telling you right now. And so I, I had the various piles out, and in these piles also, you know, the bulletin and, and the Bible were, were some of the scripture readings for tonight, some that we've used and some that we haven't. One of the scriptures that we didn't use but is often read in services like this is, is the Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah in the ninth chapter. 
And it begins with these five words, and these words that I know very well, but kind of took me back again. And the words begin of the prophecy, the people walking in darkness. The people walking in darkness. And I thought, what an odd acknowledgement to begin a prophecy with. An acknowledgement of, of reality, of life, of not sugarcoating our experiences, not glossing over the hard stuff. Isaiah says from the beginning, the people walking in darkness, the people experiencing darkness, the people in tough places. We can translate that a million different ways, but he acknowledges that there is a reality that we sometimes find ourselves and the people find ourselves in this dark, difficult place, both figuratively and literally. And when we find ourselves in that place of darkness, we all have, I think, the same instinct. When you walk into a room with no light, what's the first thing you start looking for? The switch. We start looking for the switch. We start looking for something that will give us illumination. And we feel around for the light switch. We grab our phones nowadays because most of us have some sort of a, a flashlight or if just the light of our phones. Something that will make clear the path. That will help us to know where it is we are going and how to find our way around because darkness is generally not pleasant for us, especially darkness in the midst of the unknown. And it can have a variety of consequences when we find ourselves there. We, in my family, have a story that we laugh about frequently. It comes up in family gatherings. And it happened when I was uh, 10 or 11. My brother would be then 8 or 9, my middle brother. And we were with a family uh, vacationing in the mountains of the Carolinas. And we were at a cabin. And these cabins that we were in, there was no um, outside light. When the lights were off at night in the cabin... The lights were out. I mean, there was nothing. Those of you that have been in those kind of rural places or been in the mountains know, you know, and if the moon's not shining bright, it's really dark. And uh, Brian got up one of that first night. We were in bunk beds in this kind of big room, kind of like a, um, a family room kind of area. It was just the two of us, and he got up in the middle of the night, and he had to go to the bathroom. And to hear him tell it, he will tell you that he's struggled and, and wandered and felt his way around that room for an hour and a half trying to find a door. And he said, I never did find the door. A lot of searching, a lot of struggling, but no finding. Never found that bathroom. I am not going to tell you how the rest of that story ended. <laughs> but um, that's part of the family lore. We'll just leave with the family. But it's difficult. It's unsettling in a variety of ways. When we find ourselves walking in darkness, I wouldn't usually use the word walking, stumbling, uh, shuffling, feeling our way, but, but walking not so much. But that's what Isaiah says. People walking in darkness, and then he continues, have seen a great light. This is the prophecy about the Messiah. This is the prophecy about Jesus. The people walking in darkness have seen a bright light. Those who dwell in the land of darkness have had the dawn come upon them. And then he goes on to say the very familiar words for a lot of us, for unto us 
A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But Isaiah says to his people, the one that is coming to you is coming to you as a light that will illuminate your path. Jesus himself would refer to himself as the light of the world. In fact, John 3.16, that very familiar passage that so many of us know by memory, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But maybe you don't know how it continues. But it says the son did not come into the world to condemn the world but that God would save the world through him. And then in a few more words it says this is the final verdict. The light has come. The light has come. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He says, those who follow me do not walk into darkness. For what? For they have the light of life. What I believe is that all of us tonight are looking for a significant light. And that is the light of light. Light of life. That is the light of Christ that gives illumination, that gives meaning, that gives understanding to our journey that gives a promise of presence in the midst of our struggles. It does not gloss over them. It doesn't sugarcoat them, and it doesn't pretend they don't exist. But it helps us to understand them differently. You know, each week, if, if you've worshipped with us, we've lit the candle and we've talked about each theme. Candles of love and candles of hope and candles of peace and candles of joy. But the irony is... The candle that gives them all meaning, that illuminates what it means to have hope and joy and peace and love, is the center candle, is the Christ candle. Because we see and we understand life through the gift of God in Jesus, through the promise of His presence that says to us, in the midst of whatever you experience, in the midst of your journey, in the midst of your hardship, you can have hope. And you can have peace. And you can have joy. And you can reflect love because of the promise of Christmas, which says God is with you. That's what we celebrate tonight. It is the word Emmanuel, God with us. And so we don't pretend our struggles don't exist, but we understand them in light of a promise that even in our darkest of moments, we do not walk blind because we are invited to receive the light of life that illuminates the path even when the steps are uncertain and the journey is difficult. I, I, I would go each summer when I'm in Kentucky, a group of us go, a group of pastors, we get together and we go into this cave once a week and we sing and we worship and we pray. And when you travel deep into this cave, you have to have a light. There's no way you're making the journey without it. Well, we went one, one Wednesday night, Wednesday night was our night, last summer, and my flashlight went dead. I wasn't going anywhere. Fortunately, there were others who had lights. And with that light, I could make that journey. But it's still hard. There's still a lot of uncertain steps. still a lot of places to slip. still a lot of mud and, and dirt that gets on us. But I can't make the journey without the light. God says, I am offering you the light. I'm offering you the light of my presence, my hope, my joy, my peace that is with you in the midst of of even your darkest days. That's how I can make a phone call to a family that has just lost someone they love whose hearts are breaking. And I can with integrity say, hold on to hope. 
hold on to joy and to love and to peace because Christ is with you, God with us. That is what Christmas is all about. That's the story we celebrate tonight. In a few moments, we're going to participate in the, I think, the favorite event. It was always my favorite moment of Christmas Eve, which is the passing of the light, the candlelight. And we will hold those candles together. And when I was a kid and and growing up and sitting where you sit, I love that moment of watching the sanctuary. Watch it glow differently. Watching it glow by the candles that everybody was holding. And I still love that. But this is what I get to enjoy from this side. I get to watch you glow. I get to watch the candlelight that you hold begin to illuminate your faces, to illuminate your presence, to shine on you. That reminds us of the love of Christ, the light of life that shines on us. But when we've finished singing Silent Night, the hymn is over, the benediction is offered, you will blow that candle out. The question is, will the light still burn? Will the light still burn, not literally in your hand, but spiritually in your heart, where Christ comes to live and to dwell and to be present with you? My prayer is that you take the light with you. You take it with you to receive it and to reflect it. It's the center of our wreath, and it's the light that is offered as the center of our lives. That is the gift of Christmas. I pray for you, for me, that that light becomes this light. Let us pray. Loving and merciful God, we celebrate a story of love tonight, and that's the story of your son Jesus who stepped into our world and continues to step into our lives if we will make room, if we will receive you, invite you in, and allow you to speak to us that hope and that peace and that joy and that love that comes through the presence of Christ. May this light remind us that we share, remind us of Jesus. But may it burn bright long after the candle has been extinguished. We pray now. This, our prayer of Christmas. In Jesus' name.